everyone, Denise Drummond-Dunn speaking. Here is this week's blog post. It's called Improving Ideation, Insight and Innovation. How to Prevent Further Costly Failures. As you know, I'm a global customer centricity champion. My passion is helping organizations to grow faster by putting customers at the heart of their business. One of the most frequent requests that I get is to help in improving ideation and innovation. This is by far the most common area that my clients struggle with. Is it a challenge for you too? Many companies create great new products and services, at least from their perspective, but they fail. They then ask if I can help them to identify to whom they should be selling. Of course, I do help them, but I also suggest that next time it would be better if they called me before they started innovating. In a failure situation, it's almost always due to an outdated innovation process in which the customer has not been involved. I know it can be difficult to innovate in this new age of technology, but it remains vital for growth. This is why I was recently invited to run a couple of workshops on improving ideation and innovation, as well as to speak at about three different universities in Beijing and Shanghai. China is an innovation hothouse. It joined the top 25 most innovative countries in the WIPO Global Innovation Index for the first time this year. This is because they no longer rely on cost-effective manufacturing alone. They also apply for more patents than the next two countries, the United States and Japan, combined. This clearly shows that China is improving innovation as well as their ideation process. But they know they must do even more. To become a truly competitive nation, they have to better understand their customers, especially their growing middle and higher income residents who continue to prefer primarily imported Western brands. So let me share with you a few of the ideas that I spoke about during my visit. They may just save you too from more costly failures in the future. Innovation is essential. Switzerland continues to lead the world in innovation, at least according to the same WIPO GII study. It was therefore a privilege for me to be invited to help China corporations and academics by proposing a new way for them to innovate. Now most companies innovate from a technical and skill-based foundation. It doesn't usually work very well, if at all. In fact, according to Nielsen, IRI, Fortune and many others, it's estimated that between 85 and 95% of new consumer products in the US fail. And in Europe, it's just as bad, with only 25% of new consumer products still on the shelf just 12 months after launch, and less than half that number by the end of the second year. With such disastrous results, you might wonder why companies continue to innovate at all. Well, there are three main reasons why they do. Firstly, it keeps brands fresh. Brands which innovate have something new to share with current and potential clients. We've come to expect it. 
what excites today is normal tomorrow and then just boring after that. We've gotten accustomed to regular updates and constant new choices. Secondly, it encourages switching. If brands and options remain the same, people would only switch if they became dissatisfied and the cost of switching was low. Since product performances are so similar in many categories today, new variants and offers suggest differentiation. The brand appears more vibrant and people like that. The third reason is that it revives brands through excitement and buzz. In today's connected world, this is vital. People learn about brands as much from friends and family as through advertising. And they trust the former more than the latter, even if some of these friends are virtual ones they've never met. According to Nielsen's report, Global Trust in Advertising, more than 8 out of 10 global respondents say they trust the recommendations of friends and families and two-thirds others' opinions posted online. It's time to renovate your innovation process. It still surprises me that companies continue to use their same innovation process when their failure rate is so high. It often looks something like a funnel. Is that what yours looks like? In fact, is your process a funnel? If so, then you're facing at least two problems. First of all, that it is a funnel. This process is linear with a beginning and an end. It assumes that there's only one winner from all the ideation and brainstorming that you do. And it also supposes that only one concept developed from that winning idea will succeed. But what if all your ideas are great? You'd be throwing away all but one of them. Or suppose that they're all losers and you end up launching the least awful amongst them. There must be a better way, no? Even IDEO's iterative process still assumes winners and losers because they quickly move from brainstorming to prototyping and testing with customers. At least they do suggest co-creating with customers, which is a positive element of their process. And it's also great fun to do, at least from my experience. The second reason is that it doesn't include the customer, therefore. How can you have a chance of innovating for your customers if you don't include them? You're relying on your own perspective to make choices. Are you the typical consumer for whom you're innovating? Probably not. In which case, why are you taking decisions based on your own opinion? It's pretty irrelevant. Now, I propose a much better innovation process and I encourage my clients to use it. It's of course adapted to their specific needs based upon their current process, but it does have the advantage of being what I call a virtuous circle. It starts and ends with opportunity identification. In other words, with the customer and insight. This, of course, means that we must know and understand our customers deeply. So that's the next topic. Know your target audience intimately. We all think we know our customers, but this is often not completely true. Not deeply enough anyway. One of the quickest roads to improving ideation and innovation is to know for whom you're innovating. 
The first thing I ask my clients to complete is my infamous 4W template of the who, what, where and why of their target audience. Oftentimes they struggle with the last W, the why. Now, if you want to try it for yourself and you still haven't tried my 4W template, then check out the post, How Well Do You Know Your Customers? Can you answer these 12 questions? Even with the template filled, you still have to go further. Optimal understanding comes from regular connection. Our customers are changing fast, so we need to keep our finger on the pulse of the market. Yesterday's information is no use to manage today's brands or innovate for tomorrow. During my talk at Shanghai's ECUST, someone asked how we can be better prepared for the future. I loved the question as it enabled me to speak about another of my passions, that of scenario planning. Change happens and especially rapidly in China. My recommendation to the student and to all of you is not to rely on trends alone. They're uncompetitive. To gain an advantage over the competition, you need to develop them into plausible future scenarios. If you're interested in learning more about this topic, then do check out the post 10 Steps and 5 Success Factors to ensure your business is ready for anything. Knowing why your customers do what they do buy what they buy and consume what they consume and then watching and listening to them will put you in the best possible position for improving both ideation and innovation. But there's still more you can do. And that's increased your external partnerships. As mentioned before, many companies still rely on their own technology and skills to innovate. However, while technology can certainly help deliver improved benefits, it's usually insufficient. In many areas, companies need to collaborate with others who are more specialised in certain areas. Joint ventures and partnerships are useful for developing new products and services more quickly. You don't need to build the needed skills internally and you can rely on the immediate support of external experts. Now, whether you team up with another organisation or a university, it's up to you, as long as you recognise the support that you really need. If you rely exclusively on your internal knowledge for improving ideation and innovation, you're unlikely to find those breakthrough ideas that most of us are searching for. Now, there are many examples of large consumer goods companies partnering with external experts. The Laboratoire Ineov was a joint venture in nutritional cosmetics between L'Oreal and Nestlé, although the relationship ended in 2015. Nestlé has also created Cereal Partners Worldwide as a joint venture with General Mills and Beverage Partners Worldwide with Coca-Cola. Procter & Gamble and Teva Pharmaceutical Industries announced the creation of a joint venture in consumer healthcare in 2011. The newly named PGT Healthcare Partnership with President Tom Finn has since negotiated tens of joint ventures, partnerships and strategic alliances. So we can expect a lot more from them going forward. Expand your business model. 
Another external lever from which more and more companies are benefiting today is a change in their business model. Take the food industry. It's moving more and more into health and wellness and could become a direct competitor to the pharmaceutical industry as it develops more nutraceuticals. Pharma, on the other hand, is moving from sickness to wellness, from treatments to prevention. Or what about telecom? They now make almost as much money selling geolocalization data as they do from providing communication services. Or how about Google moving into cars, solar panels and most recently into travel with its Trips app? Through the analysis of their customer searches, Google can identify those of us who are looking to travel, those interested in buying a new car or in using taxi services. Google knows more about us today than we know ourselves, and that's both exciting and frightening. Work with emotional benefits, not just functional ones. Companies which succeed at innovation know that it's the emotional benefits of their products or services that really matters, often more so than even the functional ones. Apple used to be a great innovator. In the past few years, I feel they've been relying too much on their technical expertise. The recent launch of the iPhone 7 and the new MacBook Pro were both less successful than their previous launches. Now, while neither are true flops, they failed to ignite excitement in their potential customers. There have been numerous posts on why Apple is failing at innovating today. One article in the Harvard Business Review by Steve Blank stated that both Steve Jobs and Bill Gates suggested execution executives as their successors. They confused world-class execution with the passion for product and customers and market insight. Yet history has shown us that these two talents are not the same. For long-term survival in markets that change rapidly, one is far more important than the other. Another article in Business Insider by Julie Bort concludes by saying, Microsoft is now officially more innovative than Apple. And that was based just on tweets of the event. But Microsoft too failed when Bill Gates handed the company leadership over to Steve Balmore. For 14 years, Balmore successfully ran the business from a financial perspective. He tripled sales and doubled profits. But he didn't set the company up for long-term survival. In early 2014, Satya Nadella took over and made some radical changes which focused the company on mobile and the cloud. This freed Microsoft to become more innovative again and the result is already showing. You can never go wrong if you start from your customer's perspective and connect emotionally with them. Develop insight as a company. Don't leave it to the market research alone. Some managers think that insight is just another word for market research. They're wrong, but perhaps you too see it in this way. Market research is a great source of information, but for insight, you have to integrate multiple sources of information. It's rare for a single project to provide a deep insight. This comes from truly understanding the customer, and that takes time. 
It takes data and information turned into knowledge and then understanding. Knowing is also insufficient unless you understand what it all means to the customer. The full insight development process takes time and people, ideally with differing perspectives. It takes a detailed understanding of the target audience, their needs and desires, so that you can resonate emotionally with them. Many organisations work with human truths to help in identifying a concept that will resonate emotionally. These are usually based on basic human needs, which cut across cultures. This makes them particularly useful for regional and global brands. During my different talks, I gave many examples, but one which my audiences found particularly fascinating was the insight both Unilever's OMO and Nestle's Nido are using. The insight is based on the human truth that all parents want their children to grow up happy and healthy. The insight that they then developed, which is relevant for both washing powder and infant formula, is... I want my child to experience everything life has to offer, even if it means they get dirty. Now, what is particularly interesting in this example is that both companies have been able to use the same human truth and the same insight, but make it relevant for each of their categories. My recommendation, therefore, if you're struggling to develop insight, is to analyse your competitors or the brands targeting a similar audience to yourself. If you can identify on what human truth and insight their message is based, you may be able to use it too. So, in conclusion, these are just a few of the many ideas which I shared with enthusiastic audiences wherever I went in China. It's clear that both entrepreneurs and corporate executives in the country are keen to improve their innovation. They're also thirsty for support in further improving their ideation. For this reason, I believe they'll continue to top the nations in patent applications for many years to come. Therefore, it's vital that we suppose developed nations support our entrepreneurs and creative executives to stay in the race. Unless we do so, we could see China dominate new products and services as they've been dominating manufacturing for many years. So... That's this week's podcast. What do you think? I'd love to hear your thoughts on the race for innovation and ideation. Just pop along to the C3 Centricity blog and leave a comment, please. And if you yourself have problems with your own ideation and innovation process, then why not give me a call and let's have a chat about it. Speak to you soon. Bye. Bye.